Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets to Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton right here with you on Veteran Voices. Welcome to today's show. Thanks for joining us today. we got an outstanding conversation teed up. You're not going to want to miss this one and some of the life lessons that we're all going to take away from this conversation. Uh, stay tuned for what promises to be one of the more powerful conversations you've heard here lately. Quick programming note before we get started here today. Uh, the program is part of Supply Chain Now family of programming. And you can find Veteran Voices, though, wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to subscribe for free so you don't miss conversations like this. Our show is conducted in a partnership with our friends at vets to industry vets to industrycom is where you can learn more about this powerful nonprofit doing special things for our veteran community across the country. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in our two featured guests here today, Lynette and Jack Beaver. Good afternoon to you both. Hey man, good afternoon. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show today. And uh, we, we appreciate it. We're just ready to get this thing going and, and see, see what we can do to help somebody else in life, man. Love it. Love it. Well, uh, we're excited about it. Uh, it's been on the books a little while, and I've been uh, tracking you all a bit on social media. I love the, the passion you both bring and, and what you just shared there, Jack, your, you know, your commitment and passion towards helping others, because that, that is the name of the game. And Lynette, great to have you in uh, with us here as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting us and, and uh, helping us to share our heart mm. with the world. Well, so up for on that note, up front, before we get into some of the, the heavier lifting here, let's get to know you both a little better. So let's talk about that universal question, where you're from, and, and some anecdotes from your upbringing. And, and maybe, Jack, let's start with you. Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a born and bred Georgia boy, born and raised in East Cobb, Marietta, Georgia. The only time I've ever left the state of Georgia is when I was in the military. After I got out of the military, I came back to my home roots and uh, and and dug deep into the into the state and um, so, born and bred Georgia guy, man. Uh, so that makes you a bulldog fan. I, I can't do it, man. My my <laughs> father, my father's a big time engineer, man. So uh, he graduated and got his master's degree from Georgia Tech. Uh, so I'm a good old Yellow Jackets guy, kind of guy. <laughs> I love that. So let's we're gonna circle back and get maybe a, a story or two from your upbringing in Georgia. But Lynette, let's. Where are you from? Tell us. Tell us where you where you grew up. I grew up in Ohio, so I'm an Ohio State fan. <laughs> My dad taught at Ohio and is an alumni with Ohio State. He was an aviation professor, but I grew up in Ohio and Wright Pat Air Force Base in Dayton. I spent all my time there as, as a child because my dad was a civilian contractor before he started teaching at Ohio State. And we literally would spend our Sundays at the officers club at the Wright Pat Air Force Base. I remember it well. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Did, did so. he ever tell you any any stories about what they may have brought to Wright Pat from from Roswell? Any any, any did he did he share any secrets with you? Not really. <laughs> he 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 nah. I I think he yeah he kept everything pretty cl pretty close to his chest. He didn't share a lot with me. 
All right. Well, let's talk. So, grew, growing up in Georgia, Jack, back to you, uh, the, those hot summers. Where, where'd you spend your time when you went in school? What What'd you do as a kid? Lake Lanier, man. You know, luckily, I was I was born and bred into a successful family. My dad was a, you know, owned his own engineering, HVAC, and plumbing commercial company. Uh, president of Local Seventy Two, which is a plumbers and pipe fit pipe fitters union here in here in the state of Georgia. Uh, so we had a condominium on Lake Lanier, man, had boats, jet skis, wet bikes. So, you know, I, I always joke around with people and tell people that I lived life completely backwards and, 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 and not the way a normal person lives it. Most people go from poverty to success, and I went from success to poverty. So, uh, you know, I, I lived my life backwards. You know, I grew up grew up with a golden and silver uh, spoon in my mouth. And when I turned 18 and went in the Marine Corps, my dad yanked the spoon out of my mouth and told me, you're your own man now, son. Mm. So uh, I did life backwards. Well, we're going to we're going to dive a lot more into that. And, and that's a very unique point of view. So I look forward to learning a lot more. And, and Lake Lanier, as we all know, that's like that's like part of Hollywood of the South these days. There's lots of movie filmmaking taking place, I think, around that lake. So Lynette. You shared talking about you know some stories of growing up. You shared pre-show that y'all were dodging tornadoes in the part of Ohio you live. So tell us about that. Yes, I did. When I was about, I was like seventeen when I was just driving, and we always had lots of tornadoes where I'm from. We had the big Xenia tornado in 1974 that wiped out the city. Mm. And then, of course, when, but when I was 17, there was a tornado. I was at a friend's house and my mom called me and was like, you've got to get home. The windows are open and I've got new carpet. It's getting ruined. So you've got to get home and close the windows. I'm like, OK, I guess I'm driving home. So I go out there, get in my car to race home and close her windows so carpet doesn't get ruined. And then a like huge tree, like those big 200 pound trees mm. literally fell across the road when I was driving. So I back up and then a telephone pole goes across. <laughs> it's definitely like interesting. Dodging, wow. Yeah. Big trees and telephone poles just to go across town and close the windows. So, but you saved the carpet. You got, the yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I did save the carpet. It was definitely a testimony to uh, some adversity for me having to drive and get the wit scared out of me with a huge tree and a telephone pole. <laughs> when I was driving, I'm like, okay, God, if this is now, okay. <laughs> well, so fast forward, tell us about your family. What makes up y'all's family? And Jack, let's, let's start with you. Our family as in our immediate family. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got... Uh, yeah, it's me, my wife, and three daughters, man. Got a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 7-year-old. Wow. All girls. God cursed me. <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> he told me, he told me since, man, since you were such a player back in your young days, man, I'm going to show you what being a player is all about. So uh, God, God played a game with me, man. He gave me all girls and wouldn't give me any sons, man. So... Um, but they give us a, a run for our money every day, man. Keep you on your toes. 16, 15, and 7. Is that right? 16, 15, and 7. Wow. Never and- a dull moment in the Beaver's house. We've, <laughs> you know, it's definitely the Leave it to Beaver family of 2021. <laughs> well, I bet. And, and y'all have to write a book after all three of them go off and get jobs and, and start to have families of their own. So we look forward to that bestseller, I'm sure. All right. So, Jack, now that we've kind of gotten to know you and Lynn, you and Lynette a little bit better. I'd like to ask you about your military uh, career. And, and so for starters, because you joined the Marines, it sounds like, you know, at 17, 18 year, years old, what made you join the military? 
Well, I tell you, it was a combination of several things. My father wanted me to go into the plumbing and HVAC apprenticeship program and uh, and learn the business and take his business over because I was the only son out of four older sisters. But that's just not the route that, that I wanted to take. And um, I was dating my high school sweetheart and her brother was a, new, a United States Marine. So she wanted a Marine Corps wedding. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to go into the military, man, I'm going to go into the to the branch that's the biggest, the baddest, the few, the proud. And so, you know, I decided that that's what I was going to do. I, I told went I went to the uh, recruiter by myself at the age of uh, 18. I was a senior in high school, told the Marine Corps recruiter, man, I'm, I'm ready, man. I want to be I want to be a part of the few and the proud and uh, I want to be a part of the elite. And so uh, I joined the uh, delay entry program. Went back home with my delay entry program paperwork and slapped it down on the kitchen table in front of my dad. And that wasn't that wasn't a good idea. Uh Oh, and he, Uh, you know, so he didn't approve uh, your decision. No, he was he was livid. His only son wasn't going to uh, walk in his footsteps and wasn't going to go down the same road he went. And so uh, he wasn't a happy camper about it. But uh, it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, because it built traits and it, and it built things in me that that uh, most people that's never experienced the military never get to experience as far as you know determination and and and, and how to overcome adversity and um, and just to have that tough mentality of being able to you know achieve and, and overcome you know hard stuff that hits you out of out of nowhere mm. so you know, the military, I, I don't regret one thing about it. Matter of fact, I wished I would have stayed in and, and, and made a 20-year commitment out of it. But I didn't. And, you know, so I had to I had to move on the best way I could in the civilian sector. Yep. So so in the Marines, what was your what was your job? Well, when I first started, I mean, when I when I got out of boot camp, they assigned me to being a uh, service record book clerk. Hated that with a passion. So <laughs> after my first year, man, I, I I learned back back when I was in the Marine Corps, man, you, you could backdoor a lot of things that you can't backdoor nowadays. Mm. But I, I became I got smart and became good friends with the career jammer. And uh, the career jammer hooked me up after my first year of being at Cherry Point, North Carolina. Uh, even though I was a service record book clerk, I was attached to a uh Land to air missile battalion, third land battalion out of uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina. And uh, while I was at Cherry Point, became good friends with the, one of the career jammers, and he ended up getting me changed over to uh, being an MP in the uh, in the Marine Corps. So left Cherry Point, went to MP school, man, and and finished up my time in the Marine Corps as an MP. So we'll talk about your transition here in, in a few minutes. But who are some of the folks when you think about? Uh, the folks you serve with, and, and this, you know, I'm learning a new term. I hadn't heard the term career jammer. So you're adding to my military lexicon there. Uh, we didn't have that in the Air Force. But and and hold your Air Force jokes. Hold your head check. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Errington's one of your one of your buddies, man. That's so right. I won't, I'll be nice, man, because I love Brian so much. He is a good dude. You're right. He's a good dude and retired Air Force. So and also a, an SP in Air Force. So I bet y'all had some stories that exchanged there. So some of the folks you served with that, you know, your, your time in the Marines would have been different without them. Who are some of those folks you, that you love to work with? Well, I'll tell you what, I had a, uh, a gunnery sergeant when I was 
stationed at NAS Norfolk, Virginia. And um, he took me under his wing, man, and, and, and treated me as not only as a younger E4 corporal, but he actually treated me as a son, man, and, and schooled me, coached me, trained me, trained me and coached me in many different aspects of life. Uh, not only did he train me and, and coach me in the aspects of, of being a Marine, but he also schooled me and coached me in, in, being, in being a man. And he was he was also one of the guys that I could turn to to uh, uh, get things done, like I said, behind the scenes that you can't get away with in the military nowadays. I'm like, you know, wanting to get a specific duty station. You know, he, he helped pull some strings to get me a duty station that, you know, I was really wanting to go to. But then there was a young female sergeant who really changed my whole entire outlook on on women being in the military. Uh, she was in my unit, uh, Susie, Sergeant Susie Dotson. I'll never forget her, man. I still remember her name to this day, and I'm 51 years old. That was back in the day, bro. But Sergeant Susie Dotson, man, she was she was the in the leading NCO of, of our unit and her leadership and just her whole entire demeanor and personality as a leader and an NCO. It just, it really changed my whole entire outlook on the, what women should do or be entitled to in the military. And I tell you, man, there's, there's nothing I wouldn't support for a woman to do in the military, man. They're incredible leaders and just, she was just somebody I hold dear even to this day, man. I, even to this day, I'm married and I love my wife, man, but I still think about her as crazy as that sounds because mm -hmm. uh, we, we were, me and her were real good friends and she was my, you know, my boss. Mm -hmm. But Change your view, change your outlook, it sounds like, of, of um, how everyone can make a difference serving in the military. It did. And I, I, I've got the most utmost respect for women in the military after training under her and, and, and being under her leadership and, and, and being, you know, real good friends with her outside of military hours. Mm. We, we never were a girlfriend or boyfriend item, but, you know, we were pretty, pretty inseparable. And she, she's another one that taught me and trained me, mentored me, trained me and taught me a lot about, you know, how to be a strike soldier. Mm. Sergeant Susie Dotson. And what was the name of the previous gunnery sergeant at, uh, I think it was Naval Air Station? Cherry Point. Cherry Point. Who was that uh, gunnery sergeant? You remember? No, I don't. You know, I, <laughs> as bad as I, as much as I hate to admit it, I, I really don't remember his name. I've, I've still got pictures with me of me and him at the Marine Corps Ball. Um, and I still got some pictures of me and him at cold weather training out in Norway. But I don't remember the guy's name now. We'll track him down. We'll track him down a a after the fact. So let's, one final question about your military service as a Marine, Jack. There's one accomplishment. You, you talked about some of the folks that you served beside that made, made your time special and really had a big impact on you. What's that one accomplishment that you're going to be talking to for the, talking about for the next hundred years to your daughters and, and your, your, your uh, eventual you know, grandkids, the whole nine yards? What's that one thing you point to? The day that I made my E5, my, my entire goal from day one of, of as soon as I stepped off the yellow bus onto the yellow footprints <laughs> in Paris Island, South Carolina, you know, my whole goal and mission was to make E5. You know, I told myself as long as I made E5, I didn't care what happened to me after that. I, know wow. I didn't care if I if I didn't make a career out of it. I didn't, you know, 
the only thing that I knew was I wasn't going to leave the military until I made E5. You know, I don't know why that was such a big deal to me because my father, he was in the Navy, but he hated it. So he never talked about it. Mm. Just brutally hated it. Mm. So I, I, I don't know why. But it be making E5, making my sergeant rank was just the most important thing to me in, in my whole entire military career. Mm. Well, you know, I'm not sure what that rank is in the Marines, in the Air Force. That is a staff sergeant, I believe, right? The E5, you said, right? Yeah, well, that's a sergeant in the Marine Corps. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. Well, that I bet a lot of a lot of Marines may not earn that rank, and and I don't know where that comes typically in in, in enlistment periods. But I love that you went in with with kind of one singular goal, and you obtained it while serving your country. So. There's a lot to be said for simplicity when it comes to planning out our careers and, and you obtained it and we look forward to learning a lot more about the stories behind it. Let's switch gears a bit. So Lynette, Jack has shared some of his his military journey here and, and folks he worked with, some of the stories there. But I know there's a lot more, Jack. We'll try to get to some of those here momentarily. And, you know, his career accomplishments. What, you know, tell us more about your journey. My journey up in Ohio, I worked in downtown Columbus. There's actually a real estate group that I worked for. It used to be CB Commercial. I don't know if you remember CB Commercial. Yeah, rings a bell, I believe. Yes, I I worked with them in my 20s, and it was really really a good group that I got started with. Joan Prohaska and Ron Smith were a couple that I worked with that were both managers to me and they were great leaders that really made an impact on me they were some leaders that I worked for back then that I still remember to this day because they had an amazing leadership quality mm. that I wanted so real estate is a real estate industry where you spent some of those formative years and Joanne and Ron were two of the folks you worked with what was one aspect of their leadership style that you really admired just the fact that it it really, the office didn't have that, you know, corporate feel, you know, like the, the agents that I supported and that I worked with there, it was really a lot like a family. There were a lot, there was another gentleman named Tom McGarity, who was one of the realtors that just really went out of his way to make everybody, you know, feel important. Like it was really a team effort that everybody was working together, that it wasn't like a corporate job. It right. just really felt like a company and a, and a family and a team and everybody just, you know, work together. I love that. I mean, it, uh, Jack, that kind of brings to mind my Air Force days and that tight-knit family and how your supervisor, you know, looked, you know, checked in on you at the dorms. And, and it was, <laughs> it was a, a, you know, felt like a father-son relationship at times, right? So that's important. I think I think that makes people want to do more. Would y'all both agree? I mean, when 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 it, when you've got that family dynamic working, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you get anytime you get into a situation where you've got somebody that's mentoring you, and they're mentoring you properly, and they take you under their wing, and uh, and they show you compassion and love and 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 admiration and and lift you up and and uh just want want to see you succeed and want to take you from level to level to level you know there's nothing better than that and you know it's hard to find in today's work world in the civilian sector but it's there man um there's i've never worked anywhere where i couldn't find at least one person that 
I knew would be a great mentor and was willing to take me under their wing. We all need people like that. We all need people like that. You know, I mean, it really is such a big boost in life and and, in our journeys. So speaking of family, Lynette, I skipped over a question I want to ask you about. And you you talked about, you know, growing up um, a second ago in a military family, your father worked on Wright Pat, you know, every day. It seems like the military community is, 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 is part of your upbringing and part of you know, a big part of your journey. What do you find so fascinating about what military families do, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out, you name it? Well, I, I'm just amazed at the resilience and the adversity and the determination that military families have, that they just, you know, able to PCS and move around. And it's just awesome to me. I mean, I met Jack after his service, but I've always been, you know, passionate about veterans and things, you know, being that I grew up Air Force with my dad. But I'm just always, it's just always been close to my heart about how, you know, how resilient they are. And I love that there's so many organizations out there that are working to help veterans, you know, Vets to Industry is one. And another one is Code of Vets. That's really a great, um, a great organization that's actually combating uh, veteran suicide, which is also an, another one that's passionate to my heart also is, you know, preventing veteran suicide. What was the name of that group again? Code of Vets. Code of Vets. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll Code we'll- of Vets. Her name is Gretchen Smith. Okay. Code of Vets. We'll add that to the, the show notes so folks can click on it and get involved and support it. Yeah. She's mainly on Twitter. It's at Code of Vets on Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, one last comment before we talk about Jack's transition from the Marines. It seems like, um, you know, a lot of folks may have never served. They don't think there, there may be a lack of, of an awareness around how it's the whole family that serves when there's a military member in the family that deploys and, and PCSs or, or whatever aspect of the mission takes them here, there, and everywhere. You know, the whole family's got to sacrifice to make that happen. And, and you know, I, th- I think we've got some uh, work to do to, to make more folks aware of that. Would y'all agree? Absolutely. Definitely would agree. And, but you know, it, it's come along, it's come a tremendous way since when I got out, mm. you know, I'm an old, old Marine, man. I, I ate some, I ate some real old dirt back then, man. But, you know, I'm proud to see how, how far the military has come as far as making the transition for, for, for military a lot better as far as getting them completely ready for success in the civilian sector, whether they made a career and they're coming out after 20 or whether they decided to bail after four and the, the camaraderie as far as the government and the civilian sector rallying around military. Now that just wasn't real when I was Mm. in, Mm. when I was in, there was no government backing, really. And then and, and the civilian sector really didn't pay attention to the military like they do now. I mean, it, we got a long way to go still as far as the government and, and, and the civilian sector realizing what military, what the military and their families do mm. and the sacrifices that they make for, the, for this country. But I'm proud to see that it has come as, as far as it has since I was in. But, you know, I also would like to see it go a little bit further, especially on, on a lot of different levels, especially maybe even like on the pay level. Mm. You know, I, I think military deserves 
a lot better pay than what they even get now. And it's, and it's tremendously better than when I was in. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's still, even, even though I know where it's at now, I still think that that's one thing that, that our government can take another look at because, hey man, let's just face it. If you get, if you get called over to a, a hot zone, you really don't know if you're going to come back in one piece mm. and you don't know if you're going to come back at all. Mm. So, you know, I, I think, I think that needs to be looked at in, in a, in a lot different, many different levels and many different perspectives, mm. but yeah, man, I'm, I'm proud that it's come as far as it has. Uh, but like you said, we still got a long way to go, man. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So nice segue there, Jack. I can tell you do all kinds of speaking all the time. Let's talk about your transition. So when did you get out of the, of the Marines and tell us, you know, tell us what that transition was like for you. Well, the first time I got out, I got out of the Marine Corps after serving five. Got out of the Marine Corps in September of 1992. And, man, when I got out, I, I wasn't ready to get out because my heart was still in it. And um, I just I couldn't fit into the civilian sector, to be honest with you. You know, a lot of people don't understand. Branches are, are, are there for a reason. We got the Army, Navy, Air Force, and, and Marines. Um, naturally, depending on what branch you go into and what MOS you do within that branch, you're trained in different ways. And so being in the Marines, man, my it, it, it's sort of like Donald Trump, okay? Donald Trump really wasn't accepted by a bulk of the, the politicians and by a bulk of the United States in general because of his disposition. And I, I was the same way when I first got out of the Marines, man. I, I couldn't fit in. I, I was too aggressive. Mm. I was too, I had too much of that Marine Corps mentality in me. You know, men, men were, were different back when I got out than, than what men are, are being taught and trained now. Mm. I mean, now we're, we're being, and it's a good thing. You know, now we're being taught to have more compassion and, uh, and to, you know, be more in touch with our feelings and, because it's just it's just out in the forefront more now right. than it ever was back in the day. So when I got out, man, I, I couldn't deal with it. I, I was every job I got, I would end up getting fired from it because mm. you know they didn't like they didn't like somebody that was supposed to be low on the totem pole wanting to act like he's the CEO of the company. Mm. And um, I wanted to take charge. I wanted to take, I wanted to be a leader. You know, I wanted to show my leadership skills and that didn't fit into the civilian sector. They didn't like that. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't high enough on the food chain to be doing the things I was doing, making the calls I was making and, and having the attitude and the disposition and the, and, and the aggressiveness that I had. So I stayed out a year. I went back to the Marine Corps prior service recruiter and I said, man, you got to get me back in there. I can't, I can't do the civilian thing, man. And he said, I'd love to, but there's only one problem, chief. It's downsizing, man. We're not taking back prior service. Mm. And I said, dang. So I went right next door to the army recruiter, man. And the army recruiter said, not only will I put you back in, but I'll put you back in at the same, we given your same rank and, and, and you won't lose any time of service. Wow. So the army put me back in as an E5. And, um, and I kept my time in service as well. Uh, so what a I deal. And, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it was, it wasn't as, it, I, it wasn't as disciplined as the Marine Corps had a hard time adjusting to that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, the army, the, they're just not a real disciplined outfit. And, and uh, that's probably going to make a lot of army guys mad, but you know, I, I got to <laughs> play on tell anybody. I won't tell anybody, <laughs> you know, but I got to play on both sides of the field, man. I got to, I got to be the defense and the offense, you know, but yeah, I went back in the army, man, and then spent another two years on active duty in the army. And, and then, uh, decided to get out like an, like an idiot. Um, <laughs> you know, one of them, one of the things I do regret in life, man, was not putting my 20 in. Mm. Well, was but, the, the second transition, was that any better when you, when you exited the, the separate from the army versus when you separate from the Marines? I'll tell you the, I am, I'm extremely proud that we have veteran organizations like Brian Arrington in vets to industry. And Brian Arrington doesn't realize what a dream he is. Mm. Um, he doesn't realize what a dream his organization is to veterans, man. You know, because when I got out both times, we didn't have anything like vets to industry. Right. Hell, we didn't even have we didn't even have cell phones yet. Cell phones wasn't even around when I got out in '96. Well, they were, but they, they were this big, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were bricks, man. So we didn't have the social media and, and all that stuff that, that in 1996, when I got out in 96 and when I got out in 92. Right. So, you know, industries like vets to industry where, where these guys can get transitioning help before they even get out of the military is just unbelievable. But to answer your question, man, it was my second time around was a lot easier. And the reason for that is because my mother just happened to be best friends with a with a very high up manager with the IBM corporation. Wow. So my mother got her to pull some strings, man. So I stepped right out of the army, right into uh, a a real good paying position with the IBM corporation, man. So it was a tremendous, me a lot easier in the, in the IBM corporation, man. I had some really, I had some incredible managers, both male and female that literally took me under their wing and just helped me achieve like crazy, man. When, when, when IBM, you know, got popped in night in 2000 year, 2000, when we got popped with that huge layoff and, you know, half of IBM got nailed. It was a sad day to have to leave the IBM corporation because I had so many incredible managers that just led me from stage to stage, man. And I ended up being a, a manager myself before I ended up having to go on a layoff. Oh. Hear that? Terrible, terrible, terrible. What, especially just from a sheer luck? I mean, you know, after after you you as you as you spoke about trying to find that right culture to that where you connected and 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 you saw a path there and finally find that IBM just for them to go through that that huge reduction in force. So, Lynette, I want to bring you back into it. I'm not exactly sure to our conversation. I'm not exactly sure when y'all met or 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 what have you. But was it after IBM? Were you, were you, were y'all together when you were at IBM and, and as you're entering that reduction force, Jack? No, we actually met two years after I got out of the military for the last time. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, Friday night, you know, you know how back when you were young, man, you had to, you had to go bar hopping and partying, man. <laughs> and you had to get, you had to get that foolishness out of your system. Right. <laughs> so uh, one Friday night, man, me and the boys, man, we headed up to old good old, Cowboy, yeehaw, honky tonk, man. A, a bar called Cowboys, man. And in good old Kennesaw, Georgia. Good old, good old country bar, man. And uh, 
That's where I met my wife, man. I chased her all around that bar the whole night like a like a sick, <laughs> wet, wimpy puppy in heat, man. <laughs> it was relentless, bro. It was almost like I was a stalker or something, man. <laughs> I chased her all night around that bar. <laughs> you paint such a romantic picture, Jack. I love it. I, I, yeah, love, I love it. it. But, Romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like, I mean, y'all, y'all really, um, you know, started something special and beautiful and, and, you know, three daughters later and a lot more stories than we can get to here today. But so after IBM, then after IBM, what, how did you, from that point to what you're doing now, which we're going to talk about here momentarily, tell, tell me more about that. Well, you know, when I, when I got hit with the layoff, I decided that I was going to get out of the corporate environment too political, man. And uh, even though I loved it, loved the IBM corporation, loved every manager that I ever had there. Mm. But I just knew I wanted to do something. If I wasn't going to be lucky enough to be in the Marine Corps for the rest of my life, I knew that I wanted to do something other than something that involved politics mm. and, and had a lot of political play in it. And so that's when I decided to go in the construction industry, man. Started my construction career off right when I left there. Got a job with a uh, plumbing and HVAC company. Decided that, you know, I wanted to kind of, you know, be able to go back to my dad's grave site and let him know I sort of walked in his footsteps, you know, mm. um, after after all. So uh, I went to a plumbing and HVAC company, man, and got me a job as a commercial sales manager and uh, started selling commercial plumbing and HVAC service and then uh, made it real successful in there and and then decided I wanted to uh, branch off to something a little bit different than that than, than in the sales end of it. Um, so then I went into the project management side of the house. So you know, that's what I do now, construction project manager. Well, where did you inherit, you know, a lot of, well, at least when I got out and, and a lot of my my fellow airmen, I can't, I, I don't think many of them went into like a sales business development role. Who'd you inherit those those extraordinary sales skills from? Man, the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. You know, people <laughs> don't understand, man. In, in the Marine Corps, man, you're, you're, you're really, God, honestly, man, you're taught to have a, a tremendous amount of self-pride mm-hmm. and, and a tremendous amount of, you know, confidence. And, uh, you know, in the, I don't know if it was this way in the Air Force, but I know in the Marine Corps, in order for you to go from rank to rank, you had to go in front of a, what they called a promotion board. And uh, that promotion board was uh, E6s and above all the way to colonels, full bird colonels. You had you had three enlisted guys from E6 and all the way up to first sergeant, sergeant major, you know, whoever they decided to put on that promotion board. And then you had three officers. So you had to go in front of three senior NCOs and three officers and you 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 had to you had to be a strike soldier, man. You had to play your sales game. You had to, like you had to get tank. up there. And, yeah, man. I mean, you, you had to get up there and fight for that rank, man. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And and so it's it's essentially selling yourself, man, when you go in front of the, you know, those those NCO and, and officers and, and, and at the promotion board. Hmm. And, you know, if you don't go in there and you don't and you don't sell yourself, you're not going to get promoted, man, because that's that was just one of the things that you had to achieve in order to make that next rank. So, you know, given all the folks uh, and including a lot of Marines I've spoken to since I got out in 02, 
I've never really come, I, I never was really aware of what you just shared and I never really connected those dots. So now I'm looking at Marines in a whole different way now, Jack. So I appreciate that. Maybe, maybe I need to look at some Marines uh, to drive sales here. We'll see. Um, you've given me some new inspiration. What? So I want to ask you all this, this one question next. Uh, when you're thinking of advice, you'd give others. And then we're going to talk about Redemption Warrior speaking in a minute, a really cool entity that you are, you are leading. But before we do that, what's one piece of advice that you would offer you know, veterans transitioning or you know, civilians transitioning, you name it? What, what's something they should really wrap their head around? And, and Jack, let's start with you. I'll tell you, man, they really need to, if it's military transition, they really need to sink their teeth in an organization like Brian Arrington's got, Vets the Industry. You know, I can't, I can't say enough good things about Vets the Industry. I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal uh, because not only do they help veterans in, in successful transition, but their team is incredible. Mm. You know, I personally got to work with their team uh, because you know, me and my wife at, at one point, I mean, not at one point, but me and my wife in, in, in last year in 2020, man, we, we went through some horrific storms in 2020, man. And, mm. and uh, we ended up, ended up homeless, mm. literally. And Brian Arrington found out that we were homeless, man. And, and him and his organization came to our aid and our rescue and, and literally took us out of, out, out of being homeless and, 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 you know, put us up and, and, and took care of us until I was able to get back on my feet. So, you know, not only do they take care of, of people transitioning, teaching them, you know, resume, you know, resume stuff, interviewing techniques, Salary. just, just the, 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 the massive amount of knowledge that they, you know, have at their disposal. Uh, so my advice would be, it would be to, really dig your teeth into the wonderful world of social media and, uh, and, and get on platforms like LinkedIn and, 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 and seek out and find veteran organizations like Vets to Industry because I'm going to tell you right now, man, I'm 51 years old. I've, I've been a veteran and, and been out for a long time, but, and I did not even know all of the government agencies and, and, and government help that's out there for veterans. Had no clue, man. I mean, if it wasn't for Brian Arrington, I, I would still be in the dark. Wow. You know, it, it, there's so many different government agencies out there that help veterans, man. I mean, to literally find you home if you're homeless or if you're struggling financially, um, there's government agencies out there that will actually pay your bills for you. I mean, it's just, it's incredible the amount of help that's out there nowadays in 2021 for veterans, man. So that, that's that, good, that that's would be good my news. Advice, that's some great news. And and to our listeners, I know, I, th I think we mentioned on the front end, but vets2industry.com is where you can find some of these resources that Jack's speaking to. And that's the numeral two, vets2industry.com. We're proud to partner with them and the great work they're doing as part of this podcast. So Jack, I appreciate you pointing that out, but I, I got to go back and Lynette before I ask you for your one piece of advice. But it, it it is it is such a kick in the gut to hear, you know, any of our veterans going without, and and certainly any of our fellow veterans that you know, go through the storms the size of what y'all went through last year. So we gotta, you know, echoing something you said earlier, Jack. I think uh, you or Lynette, and we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go, especially given, you know, how heavily we've leaned on our military the last you know twenty twenty five years 
uh, well, yeah, about 20 years. Holy cow. So that's why we got to work to get that awareness out and make sure they folks understand there's still plenty of need despite all the corporate, what, you know, how far we've come there. But Lynette, feel free to piggyback on something that Jack just shared there. Or, you know, again, the initial question, you know, what's one piece of, of transition advice you'd like to share with folks? Well, I, I, I want to share also, not just about, I mean, the code of vets was really instrumental too with us helping us rebuild. I mean, they, they're amazing that Gretchen Smith is an amazing, I mean, she's literally, she raises, she raised like $4 million last year for her organization. Wow. She's really got some outreach out there and she's, she helps vets that, you know, people that are down on their luck, people that have trouble paying their bills, you know, with, I mean, she helps save people's mortgages and it's just amazing how she helps, you know, to really combat so that, you know, to combat her father actually committed suicide. So that's because of his PTSD. And so she, that's why she formed Code of Vets to help combat veteran suicide so that no veteran, you know, ever is lost, you know, out there and they can't pay their bills or something and they don't, so that they don't look at suicide. It's just meeting that organization was really an an amazing outreach for us. Hey, wasn't wasn't you guys the ones that that did that newspaper article on the veteran in Canton, Georgia? So I think Vetlanta, well, I I think we helped promote it uh, because that's such a great story. I cannot remember that gentleman's name, but he's done a lot of work uh, with homeless veterans and raising funds and build, I think even building homes. I can't remember his name. Jim Lindemeyer. Jim Lindemeyer. Yes, that's right. Jim Lindemeyer. Now see, uh, Brian Arrington and Vets to Industry, they hooked me up with Jim. And Jim was another instrument that, that helped me and my wife and my family while we were homeless. And, um, man, he actually was, was a key guy to get me hooked up with a lot of government-funded stuff for veterans mm. that, once again, I didn't even know existed, man. Jim Lindemeyer like, is a stand-up guy, man. That's what I've heard. I hadn't had the pleasure and the honor of meeting him yet. I volunteer with Vetlanta, where where we, I think he ended up joining the volunteer leadership team there to really serve that housing pillar for the great folks at Vetlanta. But that's, I've heard he is like a, a titan of an individual that really can move mountains for people. And, and so, Jack, to hear you and Lynette speak about him, we're going to have to make sure we pass this along, but we need, hey, man, we need Jim Lindemeyer, like man. He, you, like you say, Jim can move mountains, brother. The people that he knows and, and, you know, just getting into the community as, as deep as he does, mm. you know, I've applied for military disability on two occasions and got turned down both times, mm. both times. It was like, it's a no go. <laughs> You're not getting disability. Big guy, Jim Lindemeyer. He said, damn that not on my watch. So Jim, was the one that actually refiled my disability claim for me. He took my DD-214s, man, and I don't know what he did with them, but he was like, dude, all I can tell you is when you start getting phone calls and emails, you need to respond to them and you need to go to these appointments and you need to do this and do that. And I I mean, I didn't even go anywhere to file it. He literally filed it for me. And I got my letter in the mail last week and uh, I got approved. Wow. Congrats, um, congratulations and well-deserved. So, so Jim, you know, Jim is, is Linda Meyer, man. He, he can move mountains. There's no doubt about it, man. I don't know 
I don't know what kind of connections he's got, but they're they're impressive <laughs> and they're powerful, man. I love it. And, and a big lesson learned here, especially if you're a veteran or a military member, veteran uh, that would be transitioning out of the military. Hey, take the moment now, get connected. You find these these resources, regardless of what you need or what you're interested in. Make these connections. That's going to help you through any of your challenges and your path ahead. So, love this story, Jacqueline. That this is good news, and we all need good news. And I love hearing you know kind of how resilient y'all were to get through that period. You know, we all kind of have that those roller coasters of life, and and to fight through that, and and now to arrive at this next chapter, we're going to talk about as we start to wrap up. Let's see here, redemption warrior speaking. So let's talk about that and let's talk about why you formed it and, and what you do. So who, who, who would like to go first? I'd like to go first before we jump to Jack. Okay. I just, I just want to tell you, we've been married 17 years and he is the most resilient man I've ever met that can just get the, this is the best man for me to get through storms with. <laughs> I mean, his determination and his adversity to get through storms is amazing. So he's definitely a leader and I'm proud of him for starting this. So I'll let him tell you about it. (laughs) Well said. Jack, that's a ringing endorsement and that's got to, you know, regardless of whatever, whatever storm you face or whatever big initiative you launch, it's got to be, it's got to be wonderful to have a a close friend and, and confidant like that going through it with you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, behind every good man is a good woman, man. My father taught me that and, and told me that my whole life, man. So, uh, you know, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, we can't be who we are without the women that, that support us. But Redemption Warrior, man, I'm pumped. I'm excited, man. That That's something that I, I love to talk about and could talk about for days, man. You know, for the last for the last three years, man, for the last three years, I've wanted to become a Christian motivational speaker, man. And, and, and I'll tell you why in 51 years of life, man, I've been through more hell and I've been through more dark seasons and dark valleys. And I, I would venture to say without being egotistical or arrogant that I've been through some heavy storms that most people would have committed suicide over mm. in my lifetime. And so I wanted to, I wanted to really become this speaker, man, for like three years now. And is what broke the camel's, the, the, the hair on the camel's back and made me actually take it from a dream to reality was when I found myself homeless this in 2020. Mm. When I found myself homeless in 2020, I decided that's when God, you know, that's when God really knocked me over the head with a brick and said, <laughs> it's time. It's time for you to quit laying on it, quit sleeping on it. And, and let's, let's go from it being a dream to a reality, man. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I'm so excited about Redemption Warrior is, you know, there's a million motivational speakers out there and so many of them get paid, you know, incredible money, right? But here's the key, man. Here, here's what's missing. And here's what sets me apart from the rest of the million that are out there, man. A lot of motivational speakers they can fire up a 3000 room audience with their speaking talent and get them fired up, motivated and want to go and conquer the world for the next two weeks. Right. But after two weeks of of hearing that particular speaker speak, you know, they're right back to where they started. Just like with a new year's resolution, man, we all make resolutions 
And within 30 days, 45 days into the new year, man, those, those resolutions don't even exist anymore. Sometimes two days. That's right. Sometimes, sometimes one day. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so that, that's where, that's what brought me into really wanting to be a motivational speaker, because I want to be the guy that not only fires the room up, but I want to be the guy that actually coaches, mentors, trains, teaches, and gives the equipment and gives the knowledge to individuals to where they can go out there and successfully overcome and and beat and, and navigate, you know, the storms that hit you unexpectedly, mm. the dark seasons that you go through. You know, I want to be that guy that pulls somebody off the brinks of suicide. I want to be that individual man that that somebody's been wanting to change and wanting to be able to be able to overcome a certain thing in their life and they like addiction and they haven't been able to overcome that. And why? Because they wasn't given the knowledge. They wasn't given mm-hmm. the tools. They wasn't coached, mentored, trained and taught. So through my motivational speaking, you know, I want to use my life story as the platform to where I can take nuggets of of, of the different dark seasons and then in the different valleys and, and hell that I've been through, but actually teach somebody and give them the power and the knowledge of how to actually overcome their own hell, how to overcome their own dark valley. So that's what's going to separate me from your other motivational speakers out there, because I don't want to just come in and fire up a 3000 person audience. I want to be able to actually, you know, change people's lives and make a major impact, bring them off, bring them out of suicide, bring them out of addiction, actually teach them, you know, to be able to overcome all these hardcore storms that hit people because we all get hit with it, man. Right. There's nobody on this earth that can honestly tell me that they've never had the shit kicked out of them by life. Right. So I want to be that guy, man. I want to be that guy to teach them how to overcome, how to navigate and how to, how to enter the storm. One individual come out the other end, a different individual, a better individual. Um, Sustainable manner, as you, as you said it. So there's not a drop off after a a couple of days or a couple of weeks or 30 days or what have you. Right. Yeah, big differentiator there, and I love the fire in the belly, Jack. Uh, it's it, it's it seems it comes across really genuine, really purposeful, and to be able to, as you said, use your story as a platform, kind of as proof. Look, you know, look what we fought back through. You can do it too. You know, it's, it's not time to give up. So I love that. So, so Lynette, you mentioned that you know you're entrepreneurially minded, and and clearly y'all are in it together. But uh, y'all about to take over the world with Redemption Warrior speaking, and, and, and how are you helping Jack bring this to a uh, you know, reality? Well, I, I kind of just, you know, handle paperwork things in the back and the social media. I'm, I'm good with social media and that kind of things, setting up, helping, you know, build a website, working on things like that for him and, and you know, setting Everything up else. The, yeah, engagements for speaking. him to, you know. Get him to speak out there for speaking engagements, setting that up, and just kind of marketing. Love it. Well, and y'all still working on? I, I guess you're you're booking for 2021, right? Yeah, you, you're available, ready to go. I'm pumped and ready. Um, 
you know, we I just took this up off the ground really November of last year. So still startup. It's still very, very raw startup. <laughs> so I've only got one speak engaged in, that's booked right now. But, you know, hopefully and, and, and look, man, I want everybody to know out there, man, I'm not I'm not trying to make this a paid gig. Um, this is truly my way of giving back. This is truly my way of helping others because I've been helped along the way my entire life by somebody. God's always put somebody in my path that needed to be there. So, you know, a lot of people, a lot of speakers tell me, well, you're, you're an idiot for, for making those statements that you want to do it for free. Well, I'm not an idiot and I do want to do it for free. Uh, So, you know, my, my speaking engagements, um, you know, maybe at a later date, Later on down the road, maybe it might come to, to you know, doing it as a, as a paid gig. Yep. But for right now, man, it, it's 100% free. You, you want to help I, others. I just want to help that. others. I just want to be a blessing, you know, and I want people to understand that there is absolutely nothing life can hit you with that you can't overcome, man. I mean, absolutely, man, I, I tell you. If we had time, I could just go into some <laughs> stories about what I've been through in my life, man. But I kid you not, some of the things I've been been through in my lifetime, man, mm. no, so many other people would have committed suicide mm. as their way out. Well, let's, um, so we'll have to record a second edition of this interview, a part two, and, and we'll dive deeper into that, perhaps. I love, I love the noble mission you're on, right? And, 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 Again, that it seems so pure and, and purposeful and passionate about helping others. And, and there's plenty, of, as we all know, lots of folks have been hurting. And, and, and it's, it, they were hurting before the pandemic. And the pandemic, of course, makes, makes the need even greater and a lot more despair out there. So um, we'll see if we can't find some ways to, to plug in different folks that, that um, we collaborate with and work with. But I'm going to hold you to it because we want to bring you back and we'll dive deeper in some of the stories that you're, that, that you're alluding to, Jack. We'd love to, man. It'd be an honor. All right. So let's make sure, though, because uh, I'm hoping you get some inbound inquiries after folks uh, have heard you and Lynette and, your, and some of your story here today. How can folks connect with you both? Well, right now, um, LinkedIn is the biggest way. You know, like my wife said, we're, we're in the middle of trying to get a website put together for Redemption Warrior. Uh, it's still so young and so raw that I haven't, I haven't been able to get that up and running at 100% yet. A lot of work goes, I, I didn't realize it, man, but there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into these websites. Right. Man. I'm not an IT guy, never wanted to be. I'm not a tech kind of guy. <laughs> hey, man, if I could have a flip phone still, I would. <laughs> but, uh, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll get the website up and running within, hopefully within the next three months, man. But until then, LinkedIn is the best way. My wife has, has, has done a Twitter account. She can let you know what the name of that Twitter account is. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't do Twitter, never done Twitter. And I don't even know how to tweet, man. <laughs> I'll we'll let my it. wife be the Twitter queen. <laughs> so, so make sure uh, we'll make it easier for folks. We're going to have your LinkedIn profiles, one click in the show notes. And then as Jack was sharing, Lynette, where can folks come connect with y'all on Twitter? At Lynette and Jack. At Lynette and Jack. We'll, we'll include that as well for folks. And then, that, and, and then I got, I got my, re, yeah, I got my email redemption warrior 23 at gmail.com. All right. Redemption warrior 23. Redemption warrior 
the number two, the number three at gmail.com. All right. Well, um, it's been such a, a, a pleasure and, and rewarding to sit down over the last hour or so with you both. And I know that we're just scratching the surface and it's tough to tackle a lot of the, the topics we that we brought up and broached in, in an hour's time. But I admire, you know, the aspects of the journey I heard about today and, and, and how, just how resilient y'all have been to go through what you went through, especially in a year to go through that and those, those dark times, you know, in a year like 2020 and, and how that can now be an inspiration for so many others. So we're going to keep our finger on the pulse as your startup continues to gather some steam and grow and uh, let's reconnect again real soon. Thank you, man. Thank you for having us on the show today. It was an honor to be on here today and man, I'd, I'd love to come back and, and hopefully when I come back, me and you can, can throw some, some hardcore stories out there, man, and let's inspire some people with them. Sounds great. That sounds great. Really appreciate Lynette and Jack Beaver joining us here on Veteran Voices. Thanks so much, Lynette, too. Yeah, thanks. We love watching your podcasts. Uh, thank you very much. But it's, thanks you know, it's for about, having us. You bet. It's about, it's about great guests, though. I mean, when you got great guests, everything else is easier. And, and y'all have got that in spades. And it's motivating and inspiring and rewarding. So um, y'all keep it up. And we look forward to reconnecting really soon. So really quick to our listeners, hopefully y'all are ready to run through brick walls like I am after talking <laughs> with Jack and Lynette here. I mean, that... You know, we all need extra good news during times like this. And that's what this last hour has been, at least for me. So if you've enjoyed this, uh, you can you can find Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe so you don't miss stories like what the Beavers brought here today. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Jack, I'm still figuring out Instagram. Uh, talk about, <laughs> that's, that's a whole world uh, in and of itself. But hey, find us there. And if anything, uh, you know, Find, you can find all of our programs at supplychainnow.com. But on behalf of our entire team here, one challenge we've got to issue. You know, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. Be like Jack and Lynette Beaver. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on Veteran Voices. Thanks, everybody.